You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad, and in Ireland's H&Ds, there's a lot of treasures. And uh, I would say I am not a regular visitor to County Carlow, and this morning happened driven from the Midlands down to County Carlow. I got to see a part of the country I haven't seen before, and it is stunning, beautiful, rolling hills, valleys, lots of greenery. And then I arrived down in uh, towards Carlow town and headed on in the direction of Bunchody, but took a turn off and found myself uh, at Huntington Castle and I have uh, Alex Durden Robertson with me here and Alex is the current primary occupant. Would primary be an appropriate term? I suppose it would be a good, a good <laughs> as, as good as any. Well, well there's no, no one to, to contradict you. <laughs> so, uh, well you're very welcome. We're standing now in the courtyard of the castle looking at the back of the castle as it happens and I suppose it's evident there's a number of different uh, ages in the architecture of the castle. We have the main keep and then we have uh, the later additions which are the family parts that are being added on. So we might actually go inside a bit of the history. Right, before we go into the, the main part of the castle, what time period are we looking at? 1625. And then some of the additions are staged over? The 1670s and the 1760s. So everything is prior to 1800? Oh yeah, everything's prior to 1800. And yeah. then within the courtyard, as you mentioned, we're standing here and just beside me there are what would have been, I guess, the groomsmen and... There's the coachman's cottage there, there's the stables there, right. and there's the old uh, uh, barn theatre there behind us with the tea rooms. Yep. And then in the geographic context where I mentioned where we are at the moment. I like to give the sort of why it was built in this area. And so um, you're kind of in two river valleys. There's the River Slaney, yeah. um, which goes down to the sea in Wexford. And there's also the River Derry. And uh, on there in Irish is the Oak. So it's the River of the Oak. Okay. And what is very important to understand, this is why the castle was built in this area, is because you had a huge amount of oak and a lot of trade going through the area. And if you're following the River Derry up, you're going straight up through uh, towards Shalala and of course to the Kulatan estate, which maybe some of your listeners might be familiar mm -hmm. with. Um, yeah. And you've the last vestige of uh, sessile oak woods there on the Kulatan estate in Tomafinog. Uh, woods, and this whole area of the southeast of Ireland was called the Leverock, and in the 15th and 16th century, it was very important for the production of oak. And those sessile, those big tall oaks on this good land, were um, very much desired for shipbuilding. Right. And so you had a lot of shipbuilding uh, carried out in this area, or sorry, the rather the, the oak taken from this area for shipbuilding. As we're about to move indoors, but when I look at the main old building, it's a different design, I would have to say, from anything I have seen in other houses, and that's not to say there are not others like it, but I haven't seen it, but it seems to be an unusual design. Yeah, no, we'll discuss that now, okay. we'll go inside, so okay. if you want to come in this way, and in we and come. I, now, before we come in as well, if someone is coming on a visit, what they would now tend to do is they go to the tea, tea room, and they would organise themselves. Yeah, and we uh, do, we're open for tours every day between May to September. And, and, um, and then organise there and then they, you provide them with a tour so they would end up coming across they the do a guided, a guided tour and they come through the door that we've just come through exactly Alex, we've just arrived in through the door and 
we're in the foyer. Yeah, oh, so here we are, we're in the, what's called the tile passage, and we're in the back of the castle, and this is where we start the tour, and I like to, to start the tour with when the castle was built, because that's the most obvious question the visitors would have, and it was built in 1625, and it was built, as I was saying, because of those river valleys, and this became the main Dublin to Wexford Road, so you had all that area from Wicklow coming down there, and of course there from the Derry, pulling in um, Ockram and Tinnahili and Shalala, and coming down towards Bunclody, Enniscorthy and Wexford and of course Wexford was a very important port mm -hmm. and it was important to have garrison those trade routes to, to make trade um, a bit like in the early days of, of Canada and in the US the, the, the rivers were the trade arts mm -hmm. so the, the, the great rivers and although the Seine isn't as great a river as maybe some of the larger ones in continental uh, Europe or America it was nonetheless very important and the Esmonds built the castle, they bought the land here in 1615 and they built the castle on the site of a former abbey and stronghold to act as a garrison for this part of the uh, Slaney Valley and the Derry Valley. And it was originally what's called a tower house and that's a big kind of square block that you would have seen driving up with the round wall that's just there beside us and that was um, about 60 to 80 soldiers, so a garrison just under maybe a company strength, and they would have been patrolling the, the area around the parishes of Clonigore and Caldavon. And that had a big effect on the village because it had security, and with security came prosperity and business and things like distilling there in Clonigore and uh, coaching inns and what have you, so people could uh, do business and stop off the night and they'd have a relatively uh, good degree of security, which mm. was a very important, of course. Of course. Now you did mention that the waterways were the main mode of transport back then as we know and the same in Canada uh, before the railways ever arrived so that was going to determine where potential areas flourished yeah. over others. And even just walking they wouldn't necessarily because the, the Derry for instance is a very small river you would have floated down a bit of lumber down it but you wouldn't have had many craft on it okay. but you'd have been walking beside the river so the river valley which is generally in this part of the world a fairly steady incline you know right. it wouldn't be uh, very hilly you wouldn't have any rapids no rapids very very few rapids and so that was the main uh, thoroughfare now you mentioned floating wood down so obviously the surrounding area would have had good lumber yes very good timber which would have been used for both construction of buildings and Ships. industrial Ships. well the the oak the sessile oak which is a good tall strong oak uh to give, you, uh, to give your listeners an example now, Henry VIII's flagship, the Mary Rose, which is a very famous ship, uh, took, they reckon, about 40 acres of mature oak forest. So that'll give you some idea. If you're building a navy, <laughs> you can indeed, imagine uh, how many acres uh, you're, you're looking, let alone building a cathedral or a large <laughs> palace. <laughs> and while uh, many of these buildings are, in Ireland particularly, are all, the core of them are stone, uh, the interior and all the upper parts would then have been... And removed. all the beam and... Beam structures and all that. All in oak. Yeah, okay. oak was the way. So moving on, when we come in, the wall is uh, ablaze with... Um, trophies. trophies, we have trophies. We've got stuff from India and Africa, bull bison and black buck and there's a crocodile head there. That crocodile head was shot by my great... Uh, Granny Nora when she was only 17. She would have been a good frontiers woman, I think. <laughs> um, um, and uh, where do you know where she shot? That was in India. Right. And in below India. it then we Armadillo have the there uh, from, from yeah. South America. There's spears and 
bows and there's actually this is an interesting thing here and this chest here with the elephant on it as um, that's a travel chest yeah. yes and uh, given what we now have as carry-on luggage um, we're looking at just for your listeners we're looking at a, a chest which probably weighs I'd say the best part of that 50 to 100 kilos empty yeah. uh, let alone what you might put in it and of course a strong chest of that they would have put heavy things like that like money in and, and even that. though it does have wheels to be a wheelie and um, you're not going to bring it and put no. it in the overhead cabin those were the days when when our luggage uh, required maybe four men per item to lift it. that was your portable that uh, was man, that was man portable before we leave here this fireplace here is carved in beautiful wood Yes, and I know it, it, everything I know will be an original. So, or if not, uh, portions of it. Um, so here, even in the lobby, there would have been a fire to heat this area. Oh, you know, in those days, of course, um, there would have been no shortage of labour, and you know, people would have had. Uh, at least in a bigger house, at least one if not two people whose job was just constantly feeding fires. And uh, given as well that the whole house, a house like this, you couldn't, there's no central heating, so you, your central heating no, every, is a nearly, nearly every single room of, of you know, any size would have had its own fireplace yeah. and the fires would have been, you know, would have been roaring away and that was the way you got heat. And is it, is it usual or unusual to have one here? In the, in, in the hallway. No, people would all have them in the hallway because okay. it's a very welcoming thing as well. When you come in on a, on a dank winter's day and you're coming in, you're waiting maybe, you're a visitor, you'd be taking a seat in the hall, you'd be certainly looking to be shown to a seat down beside the fire and you'd be maybe uh, taking off your jacket right. and uh, getting maybe getting a little bit of dry and a bit of heat. And, and even oftentimes, even if the fire isn't particularly hot, it's the, it's the illusion of, of heat and warmth Indeed. that it provides. And it's a nice welcoming uh, feature. So the um, carvings on it, I think, this is the oak. Yes. Uh, and... Uh, then some other uh, emblems of a mili military. A pastoral scene as well with the shepherd and shepherdess. And, you know, you have a lot of these, um, this would be a typical, now this would be an 18th century fireplace, and a lot of romantic revival, um, you know, that sort of pastoral uh, notion of going back to nature, back to the land, and you can see the, the lovely... Uh, um, romantic scene with the, the nice shepherdess and the shepherd and, the, and all the, the, the sheep and the cattle and everything else so it's, so a, it's, a, it's a nice scene and then we have some of the military stuff here Austin, yeah. this is an interesting item we're looking at a chest plate here which is only about, I would say would be fit an average maybe 12 year old boy mm -hmm. or 10 year old boy even in Canada today and this would have been a, uh, a man size uh, chest plate so people were an awful lot smaller because of dietary and disease pressures Right. You know, right. They're very, very hard times to be alive in. Yeah. I'm go I will raise this a few times as we go around. I'll get you to reassure and reiterate that what we're seeing here today um, is a superior example of... Uh, are, there aren't that many other places in Ireland that would have the um, amount of um, unsanitized history. Well, there's very few places that have the original family living in it still. Yes. So, um, the interesting thing for, for visitors to see is that they still have all the uh, original artefacts. And um, 
a lot of the fact you know family portraits, <coughs> furniture, and so forth. So it's a, it's a, it's an it's an unusual feature. And we're coming now. Uh, we're coming Austin into the uh, dining room, and there's a lovely little stained glass window we're looking at now, and it has a little bit of a family tree. No. So here we are, uh, Austin, in the dining room, and we're looking at a lovely stained glass window with a family tree, and it has a little bit of the Esmond family history. Um, the Esmonds now were military adventurers. They were classic Norman knights. They came over to Ireland in the 12th century, and they were responsible for many military uh, buildings and forts throughout the southeast of Ireland. And then they built this castle in 1625. And then what happens is in 1758, they ran out of male heirs, and so the eldest daughter inherited. And when she married, the name then changed. And funnily enough, these two, uh, Helen Esmond, who inherited the last of that line of Esmonds, she married a man called Richard Durden, and it says here on the panel in Latin that they founded the town of Huntington in Pennsylvania. So they went off to the New World. Yes. And uh, there they were, uh, helping found towns and what have you. And subsequent members of the Durden family also went out to Canada. So there's a bit of emigration. They went to St. John's, Newfoundland, mm -hmm. and they went to Ottawa, and they went to Montreal as well. So there was a, there's a good, as we all know, there's a, a great connection between this part of Ireland and Canada. And the Ottawa Valley particularly as well. Exactly. A huge connection. Exactly. And then what happens, um, Austin, we're looking here at the window, it finishes in 1849. In the 1880s, the same scenario happens. There was no... Uh, no boys, all girls, eldest daughter inherits, again called Helen, funnily enough, and she married a man called Herbert Robertson, a Scotsman. So the family name today in the cast is called Durden Robertson. So this particular window, have you any idea when that was? Yes, this was made in 1849. So because Irish genealogical records, civil, etc., start around 1850. Yes. So you actually have, where, where the Irish records start you have the back you yeah. have it right back yeah um, so back to, uh, back to where we go back about to the ninth century we have yeah amazing it is amazing yeah. it is uh, i noticed as we passed the fireplace that you do have on the um stone 1625 is exactly. on that stone that's exactly and what that's it is. the original stone and we're making our way over now here to the uh, front doors yep and we have the original front doors and they have the peep hole in the murder hole and you could be shot often for looking like a piece of bad news if you're on the other side of the door um, and you'd be knocking away here okay. and if they didn't like the look of you they could give you the bad news and you could be shot or stabbed through the old murder hole. So there wasn't always a warm welcome, and there's supposed to so be a ghost of a soldier who uh, knocks on the door on stormy nights or on Halloween. So, so during electioneering, it's yeah, very careful. That's exactly you need it. You need to be careful when you're the local <laughs> politicians <laughs> are, are <laughs> crawling around. Approaching some historic buildings, check to see if there's a murder hole before exactly. you knock. And here we are in the ladies' drawing room. Again, uh, when we say drawing room, we mean for the ladies to withdraw here. Uh, away from the gentleman, and there's a lot of very delicate furniture, lovely silks, and um, altogether more kind of feminine. And uh, oh, it's original plasterwork as well. We have lovely 17 including ceilings. the ceiling is the yeah. original because yeah. that's highly unusual that yeah. it has been managed to be maintained and yeah. conserved and conserved, and the original panel work as well, all the plaster paneling. So we have done an awful lot of work uh, just keeping the place standing still, as it were, you know, which it's a constant, uh, as I say, a constant battle. And what we're walking on our floorboards again from 
the wood from the area. These these ones are actually pitch pine. These ones, right? These floorboards, um, and you get a mixture of oak and pine floorboards throughout the building. Now we're here in a lovely um, conservatory room, which is uh, built onto the outside of the castle in the 1860s. This one, okay. and it was built to house this plant, as you can see coming through the corner. And this is a grapevine, and it is a cutting from the famous Hampton Court vine. Um, and it was planted outside, grew in, they built the, the structure around to protect it and we have a cutting from this which produced lots of grapes so people can come and eat uh, if they come and visit us or stay with us they can come and uh, taste the grapes from the uh, famous vine of Hampton Court Mountain. You don't make wine? We don't make wine, it's a, it's a step bridge too far from Austin. Awesome. there's uh, plenty to be had now without trying to make wine. Um, there is a, a mural there now on the on the gable end wall, uh, a lovely uh, hand-painted mural done originally in 1928 by the children of the family showing the castle and the gardens with Mickey Mouse and all their favourite animals and what have you. I will draw attention to something I noticed here given that the uh, age of everything here and when you say it was done 1928 it does have a tricolour. It does have a tricolour, yeah. And this was used, uh, funny enough, as the IRA headquarters for the three counties of Wicklow, Carlow and Wexford during the Civil War. Right. And it was a military building that is on the border of those three counties, where the three counties join. And uh, it was uh, it was quite probably beneficial that happened because a lot of buildings, of course, were burnt down. Correct. And so they, but the family had good relationships uh, in the village and with the local community, and so it was occupied as a military building, and then it was uh, it was saved, and, and they I left it intact <coughs> after the war. And then the Free State Army moved in and occupied it as a field hospital. So it had a, it's had a, 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 an interesting history over the years. Indeed. But when something like that happens, the impact on the building itself can be rather, rather harsh. So when it would have been returned, I would imagine that there would have been quite a lot of work needing to be done. There was, a, but <coughs> you know, we had a great uh, hardy woman, uh, Nora and Helen uh, Robertson, who were the two... Uh, there was her mother-in-law and then Nora, who was the crocodile shooter. She was, um, both of them, especially Helen, made frequent weekly visits to the castle to have tea with the RA commandant and they gave out yards about the making of bullets <laughs> in the fireplace <laughs> and general uh, keeping the place clean and tidy. So, so, so they, they kept an eye on it. These guys figured that, that we don't need the hassle every week, we'll keep the place tidy. No, the woman made sure they, they, kept the, they kept the feet clean and they didn't <laughs> destroy the place too much. <laughs> Panelled oak. Lots of nice panel. panel though. Um, <coughs> so, when did you arrive here? So I was born and brought up in this house. So we've been here since since the world go. Um, right. So, uh, but I've worked overseas uh, for many years, and I came back here uh, in 2010 to take over, and. Um, and we do a variety of things here. We're open to the public in the gardens and the castle. We do B&B, &B, we do events, we do the farm, we do the tea rooms, and so there's a, a whole, a whole well, stuff. Right on. Yeah, lots of things going on. So when you'd been away, where, where did you go? Where did you? I was all over the world, in uh, the UK, Germany, the Middle East, Central America. So a good, a good, good, a good, good scalp around the place. Yeah. Good education. Yeah, good education. And Austin, we're in here, we have this lovely landscape picture which I'm going to draw your attention to. Yes. And it's called the Slaney Valley. And like I was saying to your listeners there, 
where here in the Stanley Valley, looking towards Leinster, uh, this picture unfortunately is not finished and uh, it's kind of half done really. There's big bits of it which are not particularly well advanced and the reason for that is that the artist Cecil Lawson was uh, staying here painting the view from the castle of the Stanley Valley and he fell in love with the daughter of the house, Helen, and he asked her to marry him and Helen unfortunately said no and that was the end of the picture <laughs> then. Uh, poor Cecil then obviously <laughs> was uh, a, bit, uh, a bit upset and, and off he went and the picture was never finished. I see. And across there from the picture is Nora. She's the portrait above the fireplace. She was the lady that shot that crocodile. Right. And she was a great fisherwoman. And of course... Um, it doesn't look it. She was, a, oh, she was a celebrated fisherwoman. She ran a very successful fishery here. And for listeners that are uh, interested in fishing, fishermen, a fisherwoman, she um, had a great salmon fishery. We're talking now about Atlantic salmon. Um, which I'm sure your listeners might dispute, but I would say is the king of the game fish, the Atlantic salmon. <laughs> and the River Slaney was the, uh, known as the Queen of Irish Rivers. It was a fantastic salmon river. This is going back now to the 1900s. So how far are we from the ocean here we'll uh, be by, about, by river? We'd be about 40 miles upstream. Okay, so the uh, spawning grounds then are somewhere farther north from here? No, the, the salmon, the Atlantic salmon will go... Um, some of them will stay in the main course of the river, right up there to the Wicklow Mountains. Mm -hmm. But then uh, some of them will go back off to side tributaries mm -hmm. and spawn in those tributaries and streams. And they could be going off from the Derry, for instance. The Derry is an important spawning mm -hmm. river. Now, uh, the Atlantic salmon in this part of the world were really hit hard, decimated in the 1960s by mm -hmm. the UDN disease. It never really recovered. Um, to, the, to, the, to what they were in their former glory. But you're still seeing some? But there are still salmon in there, yeah, and there's uh, lots of conservation measures. Too. And is there fishing available for visitors? Right. There is some fishing. At the minute, the uh, there's salmon is catch and release. Yeah. Uh, there's sea trout and there's also brown trout. So people can still certainly come and fish. And how, is the how are the stocks of brown trout? Right, there's plenty of brown trout. Right. There's no problem with brown trout. And indeed, sea trout will be relatively plentiful in the summer run, which is when you get them. But the salmon, um, they're still ongoing work mm -hmm. conservation. Mm -hmm. But there are still salmon. Uh, yeah, because, <coughs> again, fishing is such an important part of somebody's experience when they come and stay somewhere like here as well. There are, you know, and the big houses are often associated, of course, with... Uh, country pursuits, mm -hmm. be it hunting on horseback, and this part of the world would have the shillelagh, uh, again another link with Kulatan, mm -hmm. this is the old shillelagh ground, um, they would still meet in the village of Cunigal, and um, once or twice a year, and they'd go out, then you of course have the shooting, which would be a big, um, important pastime around, and Particularly, uh, Kulatan still has, of course, a, a driven pheasant shoot. Right. Uh, a lot more shooting in, in Ireland. There's not as much driven shooting, and it'd be more what we call rough shooting and walked-up shooting okay. for, uh, well, pheasant and duck and woodcock okay. and snipe okay. and, and what have you. And then, of course, there's the fishing. Right. Um, <coughs> so, this particular room then, while we saw the, the other two rooms, who would have used this room, are you saying? So, this room was built on to the castle, and you can see behind us is an arrow loop beside the door, and mm -hmm. there's a big thick wall and that kind of tells you that it was added on to the castle in the uh, 1760s so it was added on you see a lot of military buildings tend to be quite maybe small and dark or cramped with small windows mm -hmm. by, by necessity of course so when they make them into family homes they're quite keen very often to extend and 
make extra space and it's got lovely big south facing bay windows where we're looking now at the last of the September sunshine, oh, lovely yeah. lovely balmy you're, day. You're, you're very pessimistic, what makes you think <laughs> it's the last? Well we're to get, well, I suppose we're <laughs> compared to Canada of course we have very mild winters, we're Correct. lucky we have very uh, a temperate maritime climate and uh, when we're out in the garden you'll see palm trees and... I, I know, because today we're, given that we are, uh, I'm here in the middle of September and the temperatures outside are close to 20 in and hovering around the 20s. That's and right, I gather yeah. it's to go higher than that. Yes, so we, beautiful, yeah. beautiful weather for this time of the year. Again, I think it's appropriate to, while you may maintain or state that our climate is quite defined. The great thing about Ireland is you can travel here in the middle of our winter. And while you might not be coming to summer, you're definitely getting away from minus 20, minus 30. That's true. Yeah, there's nothing where... And I think, I believe, we're on the same latitude, roughly, we're as Newfoundland. Yeah, we're, uh, whereas we're farther south uh, than you. So, theoretically, we're, we're at 47, you're at 54. So, even though we're 7 degrees farther south... It's the old North Atlantic drift that it's the, it is. works so it, it does indeed work as magic. Alex, before we head upstairs, before we go, I am looking at what would have been a, a historic thermometer, and is there a bar barometer? And a barometer, yes. Any idea when? That is about 1860, that one. And still probably very oh, accurate. It's still, it's, well, it's staying fair, which is right. It's yeah. The weather is right. And the, the mercury on the dial in here has given me about 15, 16 degrees Celsius, which is about correct. Yeah, and uh, while I remember being at uh, school, while we, expect, uh, we were used to a, a thermometer uh, being narrow, and, but the barometers tended to be the circular aneroid barometers. Correct. correct. This is still all part. It nearly looks like a replica grandfather clock. It does. It does. It's a very, very uh, substantial piece, you could say. Yes, and very unusual, indeed. Okay, we're heading upstairs. So here we are, Austin. We're in one of the uh, guest bedrooms. So we have about three doubles and two singles, and we also have self-catering cottages. Okay. And so people can come and they can stay with us. Uh, for B&B &B mm -hmm. in the castle or they, if they're coming maybe for a longer stay if they're wanting to maybe research uh, family connections and what have you they could maybe rent the self-catering lodges for a week or so okay. and uh, it's a nice way of uh, settling yourself in the area and you can go and experience a bit of what the village has and what the wider area has. So when you mention researching family um, I know over on as a part of the Fitzwilliam um, migration has a great connection with our area in Canada uh, over here and you mentioned also that some of your family would have gone over and been in our area what um, genealogy resources are close to here? Well I would always tell anyone who's looking to start off to go to the websites and I'm not sending one over particularly because mm. I have no, I have no, uh, no uh, dog in the fight as it were but yeah. Ancestry.com is a very good place to mm -hmm. start it's relatively inexpensive to join and it gets better and better the more people join it and put in and upload information so I would start at home yep. uh, you know from the comfort of, you, of your own computer or, or your own library because I, I, should, library. I should what I will interject here is that certainly in Ottawa and a lot of other areas if you go to the library itself 
you get um, ac access to the library membership so it allows you to get much deeper. Fantastic, that's a great tip. And then I think from building on then, I think what's probably useful to do before you come over is to get a kind of a, to narrow the search down maybe to a, a, a particular parish or particular area and then come over and then you can't beat, I'm afraid, the, the, the old, uh, the hard yard which is going into the graveyard <laughs> <laughs> and finding names on tombstones right. and there's a great, although it is, um, it is I suppose a harder work, it does provide people with great rewards when they actually find uh, you know, a relative's tombstone, or a great, and there's no better feeling, and and you see pictures, and people are very happy. I've done it, my, I've done it myself actually over in America, and I found um, ancestors of mine buried in graveyards in, in Philadelphia. In the, in the and it, it does take yeah. a, it takes a fair amount of time to do it, but when you get there, it's 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 a it's a great feeling to remember them and to honour their to honour their memory, of course. Indeed, indeed, and it's that link that yeah. you you're able to connect not just b back one or two generations, yeah. but you're blessed that you can trace your line back as yeah. far as you can. And the, um, the parish records, where they're there and where they're kept, are obviously a great advantage. True. Um, and you can find little interesting things, especially marriage certificates, because it might give you what the person's age and what their profession was at the time as well, which is another interesting piece. Yeah, I must say, I find the marriage ones are difficult. They tend not to have the age. They will say where they were from originally or where they were living. And what they're and working at. And yeah. what they're working at. And that yeah. has been beneficial. But, uh, um, yeah. but the tombstone, you can't beat the tombstone. It's no. a great place and you can go and cut a flower or get a, a wreath or whatever <laughs> and uh, but even if people maybe aren't able to get an exact tombstone it's nice to come back to the land that their ancestors came from and see the same hills and see the same rivers and it's a great sense of connection to the to the past. I'll throw another one in here and that is there is an organisation Ireland Reaching Out and Ireland Reaching Out usually has a volunteer in every parish who will assist somebody from abroad uh, through that uh, Ireland Reaching Out uh, organisation to do a little bit of research locally for them before they actually come yeah. because they're interested in it's kind of outbound ge genealogy. Yes, yes. Ah yeah, it's very, it's a, look any help you can get is fantastic. Isn't it? And there's some people who've done it all before of course and they know all the tricks. In indeed, <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. So here we are, Austin, in the kitchens. Now, we restored these about four years ago. They're uh, a kind of Victorian-era kitchens now. There's plenty of uh, crockery and uh, pewterware and copperware and the old Victorian kitchen range here, the big co-fired uh, range, which have been the, the technology of its day. Uh, we have little inventions that were there to make everyday life a bit better, like the uh, washing machine here, a nice big timber washing machine. You'd like to to, get <laughs> to uh, be spinning that around right. with all the with all the timber corrugations here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a kind of, and people like this because it's nice to see the sort of the other side of of, of the, the sort of kitchen. The, the downstairs. Yeah. I, exactly. yeah. I, mean, I find the brand name on the um, stove interesting. It's yes, yeah, called the frugal. Um, they 
would have allowed it. This was a very economical way of getting your heat and your energy and your hot water. Yes. I'd say nowadays is making it bankrupt having to put coal into that. Right, but but interestingly, it's made in uh, made in Brooks's and Thomas's, made in Sackville Place in Dublin. Yeah, and the trademark. Yeah, again, it was trademarked as yeah. Frugal, which yeah. is is interesting. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. It is indeed, and and of course you have a, an old iron that would have been used to heat the, heat flat, the, iron, iron, the flat iron. Uh, and uh, the old griddles and the pots and the and there would have been you know a, a tremendous amount of heat coming from that because of course it's it's all cast so it wouldn't have been any in any way insulated at all so it would have been belting out the heat you'd have wanted that oven to be about 200 degrees Celsius to make any impact on mm-hmm. roast or or baking mm-hmm. or, or even heating a, a, a or boiling a kettle, so there would have been. Uh, you wouldn't have needed to, to wear the jumper when you were in here. Anyway, I was talking to someone recently, and they were explaining that in these houses, that the houses originally would have been plastered on the outside and on the inside rather than raw stone. And what the benefits of that were when the heat here permeated the house, it actually stayed within. Whereas when you get back to the raw stone, both outside and in, there's greater heat loss. Yes, and the render, as they <coughs> call it. The lime render mm-hmm. was uh, also the key thing was it was breathable, mm-hmm. so it allowed the the, 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 the didn't the sweat. Yeah, yeah. They didn't sweat. They were able to breathe. Very important, especially for the kind of rubble built or the the, the stone the stone masonry. Uh, very important for it to be able to breathe. So, given when these were built, again, remarkable knowledge relative to architecture and a whole, whole load of other. Oh, those lads knew what they were doing. They did. No, there was no there's no there's no cause in them. Like I saw a. Um, uh, I, I, the, I saw recently a cartoon and it showed um, a road that was laid by the Romans yeah. and rode by modern engineers and the one modern engineers was all potholes towards the Romans. <laughs> yeah, all oh, the cameras were still passing there. Now, so we're just opening the doors here to the basement and the basement is a, is a kind of an unusual aspect of the castle. Um, it used to be originally... Uh, a kitchen space okay. and then in um, when they built on a section of the castle they moved the kitchens upstairs to where we were just now uh, before and then in 1976 my great aunt Olivia and grandfather turned it into a temple to the Egyptian goddess Isis and the Irish goddess of, uh, Saint Bridget okay so there's a uh, it's a very uh, new departure uh, it's something that not everyone would expect to see in the, in the basement of, a, of an Irish castle but we essentially have an Egyptian temple and <coughs> why, if you have any idea why the relationship between Isis and Bridget? Well what happened was uh, when uh, they were growing up uh, many of uh, their parents' friends would have been people like uh, William Butler Yeats and George Russell and all these uh, characters who were very much a part of what was called the Golden Dawn. So okay. looking at things like theosophy and mysticism and Eastern spiritualism and that had a big effect on Olivia and Derry and they spent their life uh, studying religions and being involved with uh, theology and 
and what have you and they then decided in, in the 1970s that they thought most of the organized religions were too patriarchal and too male dominated and they wanted something that was more feminine so they decided they'd start their own religion so they were a bit ahead of their time oh very ahead of the time they were very woke <laughs> even in the, the 70s, the, in the 70s. today's term in 1976 <laughs> it was yeah so they started this religion and it has a very kind of eclectic blend of different figures a lot of stuff from egypt there's other figures like lakshmi and um yeah, the Virgin Mary and, as I said, Bridget and, and Isis. So it's all about really the um, Mother Nature, Mother Earth and the Divine Feminine. And the artefacts that are in here, are uh, they all uh, came from the appropriate geographies? They are as very, very varied. Um, stuff from North America there, from the Hopi Nations, uh, stuff I from see, Egypt. I see what yeah. would be, it looks like um, First Nations, what we refer yeah. to as First Nations art yeah. over there. First Nation. Um, again, tie-in with a lot of the First Nation belief systems would be a, uh, a really sort of fundamental respect for, the, for Mother Nature, Mother yes. Earth, and that uh, feminine notion of, of creativity um, and um, creation as well. And this is my favourite artefact here in the um, temple. This is a Tibetan prayer bell, and it's looks just like a very simple piece of flat metal but if your listeners uh, can listen in they'll be able to hear the amazing tone and also the resonance and the idea behind that Austin, and I, that was just a very very bare light tap I gave mm -hmm. it is you listen to the tone of the bell just focusing on the on that exclusively, forgetting all the you know emails and the car attacks and everything else is posted on. And when you then uh, when you are just focus on that, you can then slow yourself down, meditate, and pray. So scientifically, how come it stays reverberating for a second? So basically, it uses um, the physics of it, or that it's, it matches the the dimension of the bell match the wavelength of the sound okay which is a very very uh, difficult thing to do if you're making something by hand 200 years ago um, but they were absolutely supreme still, metal still there yeah. and because like a tuning fork yes you know which someone yes. would tap and put down you know the, the period of time that the note would hold 10 or 15 seconds whereas I can still hear this oh yeah and no, if I hit that hard it lasts 3 or 4 minutes yeah. wow wow yeah. Amazing. It's a it's a it's a absolutely sublime piece of um, of craftsmanship and um, understanding. They might have understood the physics of of um, of how it worked, but they knew what did and what didn't work. Yes, yes. Um, now, what are we underneath at the moment? We're underneath the uh, the Oak Passage corridor, and we're heading out now into the gardens. Okay. Ah, perfect day to come outdoors. Lovely. Beautiful. And some people. Hello. Um, we're going to stand over here. I'm looking, I'm looking at some palm trees behind me there. Yes. Yeah, as you said, North Atlantic Trift is very kind. Very to kind Ireland, to Ireland. Isn't it? Um, 
and we're Slaney Valley so as I, we're walking around here we're surrounded by yes, rolling hills yeah. and mountains and uh, pasture land uh, an idyllic day it's a lovely late autumn day or late summer's day I suppose you must have difficulty living here do you? It's a, do you know it's a constant it is a, a constant amount of work to do all the farm I don't like garden. the psychology yeah. like it must be very, very hard to take uh, well, I suppose you're used to it but like um, I, but when I just look around all I see is stuff that I have to do <laughs> <laughs> now we'll start here so here we are now so we're outside in the gardens and we're looking at a lovely line of, of yew trees and if visitors want to see it they can uh, go to the website which is huntingtoncastle.com and they'll see pictures of, a, of a, a line of trees which make a sort of a tunnel underneath them and these trees are yew trees that's uh, Taxus Bacatus in Latin and some of these trees are up to 500 years old and it makes a lovely kind of double tunnel underneath it's one of the oldest and longest in the world you didn't get to audition for Game of Thrones obviously or you, or unfortunately uh, Game of Thrones restricted itself to the north <laughs> so uh, a lot of people have said this looks better than the dark hedges uh, <laughs> but because we're in the south uh, um, they didn't come down here to, uh, to look at any locations <laughs> you missed out you missed and, and of course from here we're looking back up at the the building and uh, what I notice from here is the height of some of the windows and the southern exposure so this of course would have been allowing the sun to come in and really give exactly. brightness to that and portion. and you've got the lovely palm trees there we can see those are the uh, Shusan palms the scientific name is uh, Trachycarpus vicunii um, they can tolerate uh, the slightly chilly climate of Ireland compared to places like a lot of people from North America, particularly from places like Florida or Canada, can't believe we have palm trees at all in Ireland. Right. But you know, we don't get that many mornings of snow a year at all. We might have a week if. if, if and and if your ivy, ivy is turning colour at the moment. That's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, we have the, yeah, the creeper and the, uh, and the lovely sort of gardens. And the gardens are really mainly laid out in the 1680s. So it's a proper 17th century wilderness garden. Uh, with the former parterre around the castle and um, with lots of nice additional trees and plantings from the 19th century onwards. And you know, looking around, are we looking at any significant... Um, are, I presume there's walks through the hills here as well. There's a lot of walks. There's, um, if people are interested in kind of hiking and, and what have you, there's uh, uh, the Wicklow Way, of course, um, starts out there in the Marley Park in Dublin and it comes right into the village of Clinigal just, just here less than a kilometre from the castle and then so they can come and stay with us they can eat very well in the village in the lovely uh, Shiro Bistro and the two pubs there Don's and Osborne's great little pubs to, to have a celebratory drinking and then we have um, the South Leinster Way then starts in the village of Kildavan less than a kilometre that way and we're looking now we're looking west and we're looking towards Mount Leinster okay and the South Leinster Way goes up off that way and indeed for people who aren't maybe just going to do a big walk there's still lots of other smaller walks that they can do and cycle trails and cycle, uh, cycling yeah absolutely on all those uh, forestry blocks they can do different uh, cycling and, and someone um, at the moment is obviously getting a, a flying tour um, sightseeing tour by the looks of it over the area as well there's a plane just gone past that's yes. uh, uh, one of the servers yeah, yeah. Cessna yeah, yeah. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So Alex, I want to say, first of all, Alex, thank you very much indeed. It's been fascinating and I can only say that if you are looking at coming to the southeast 
And now, how is it referred to in the, the Tourism Ireland? Uh, it's called Ireland's Ancient East. The Ancient uh, East. Which is the... the which is great, so people can look that up on the on the Discover Ireland. Um, certainly, I can I can't recommend strongly enough that when you're if you're coming to Ireland's ancient east and this is a part of the country that is, um, I would say under visited because between whether it be Wicklow, Carlow, uh, some of the areas around there, stunningly beautiful and very um, gentle. If you don't want to climb current tool, if you just want some hill walking. But I want to thank you for taking the time and sharing your wonderful home with us. And uh, if any of the listeners are, want to get in touch with you, give us the website again. So they can uh, go onto the website, which is huntingtoncastle.com, Huntington, T O N, and it has all our contact details and some images. And your Facebook out there. And well. we have Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and, Twitter and all, the, all, all, the, the, all, all the all the old shouts. Yeah. But uh, and people can just do if they can't get over, they can do a little virtual tour and have a little look on uh, some virtual of the images. Virtual tour isn't the same. And uh, and hopefully we'll, they'll get the they get the chance to come over. Yeah. And as you said, um, Austin, it's a, it's a nice part of the world, and it's only an hour, an hour and a half from Dublin Airport, and people can can uh, come back and, and experience a bit of the. the and of course, the, you're kind of between. Are you between two highways now? Uh, there's the Waterford yes. and Wexford. Correct. We're right. We're very near. We're 20 minutes from both of those. So, so anyone who's kind of heading from Dublin towards Wexford or towards Waterford, you're an easy an get easy, off, an easy, easy junction exactly. to get off and come visit. Exactly. And if you're not, if you don't have time to spend a day here, it's certainly worth coming in and spending two or three hours because it's so peaceful. And even to bring your book and just sit in one of the chairs in the sun, have a cup of tea or coffee in the courtyard and a slice. I had wonderful coffee cake. That's one of the things I miss, you know. Oh, yes. yes I had coffee yes. cake. No, they're very good. There's a local lady in Montclair who does all the baking for us and uh, she's absolutely smashing. She does a great job. So you can uh, try a bit of that as well. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Thank you very much.